is good. Sixers Nation, welcome on in. This is Philly Take with RB. Episode one of the breakdown. Talking about last night's game. Preseason action. We're back underway. Sixers and Nets. We're talking about it all, man. It's going to be a good show. I'm excited, man. This one presented by Manscaped, leading provider of men's below-the-waist grooming products. Click their link down below. Check them out. Use code PhillyTake for 20% off and free shipping. Today, I'm joined by my guy, one of the best doing it, man, covering the Sixers on Heavy.com, host of the Pick Swap Pod, the one and only, man, Sean Bernard. Sean, how you feeling, man? How you feeling, man? Doing good. Feels great to have Sixers basketball back. I'm hyped to be joining you tonight, breaking it all down. It it, it really did feel awesome to just see the on-court product. You know, we've been through the whole off-season ringer of predictions, trades, free agency, everything, and to just actually see basketball again feels really nice. Absolutely, bro. What a game it was, by the way. You know, talk about spicing it up. I mean, we could come up here on a regular preseason game and we could talk and we could analyze, but they really put the Sixers up against the Nets. And not only that, Ben Simmons return and the Sixers come out and they smoke those boys in Brooklyn. Lot to break down. I'm excited for this season, man. Um, shoot, what a game. What a game. Like, I thought it was going to be a good game. I wasn't really worried about the outcome per se, but seeing the way that Tyrese Maxey came out, seeing the way that these bench guys came out, they were ready to go. Right. And then he, I mean, obviously, no Joel Embiid, no Harden, no Tucker. You're like, okay, let's see what some of these role players can do. They come out here and they ball. And to be quite honest with you, just getting right into it, I'm, I'm being honest here. Like the Sixers fans should feel very, very good after last night's game. Again, don't want to overreact this preseason. But you see these guys come out essentially are backups along with Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris held the Brooklyn Nets starters, the full starting lineup. To, you know, level to level, like toe to toe in the first half, a great first quarter, 42 points by the Sixers. The Nets come back, had a strong second, but our, most of our role players held their entire starting lineup and went toe to toe with them. And then our backups demolished the team, right? I mean, we don't have anything to complain about, do we? Yeah, not really. It was, it felt like, like the Nets were the team with their full starters out there and it didn't feel that way. Like you saw the Sixers taking control right from the beginning to throw it to a little Jalen Hurts quote, how he said, uh, be the thermostat, not the, uh, not the thermometer and set the tone. And that's exactly what we saw with Tyrese Maxey, especially in that game. We saw him just picking up the pace, setting the tempo and the whole Sixers team followed. So it was pretty crazy to see them just kind of come out swinging and, and set the tone early on and the, the team followed. So, uh, it was great just to see everybody. It was cool to see a lot of the new guys in action. D'Anthony Mountain, it was fun to watch. He didn't play his best, but I'm sure we'll get into all that. Uh, but overall, just like I'm very impressed with what we saw from this. I like thought the movement was very good. The willing shooting was very good. Uh, a lot of improvements there. And I'm excited to see this with the, the full squad with Harden and Embiid adding to the court. We're only going to see more. So overall, just very positive night last night. Yeah, very positive outcome to start off the season. And again, it's preseason, but this is what yeah. you want to see. You want to see these guys fighting for spots. The Sixers still need to get down a couple roster spots by the start of the season. I thought there was good competition last night. I thought guys were battling. Uh, it was very interesting, and we definitely have a lot to get into for sure. Sixers take down the Nets, 127-108. Once again, this is the breakdown, the more condensed, more relaxed 
type of thoughts the next day. We'll go through some film. We'll we'll watch everything as it unfolds. Uh, be sure you're following Sean and I on Twitter, uh, Sean underscore Bernard one and RB Philly take. We're covering the games over there as well. We're bringing all the heat, man. We're bringing all the coverage all season long. Sixer Nation, let us know how you're feeling as well. Call us up 508-924-3784. We'll get to some of those calls later on. We have to start with Tyrese Maxey. I mean, this kid was, he was spectacular. He was like, I'm trying to find the words to describe his game. And I knew he was going to look good, right? I talked all off season. So did you about this kid putting on weight, saying the right things, right? Everybody's been saying the right things. But when you get out on the court, it's another story. And Tyrese Maxey came out and he did not waste any time. The first possession, he comes down all confidence, pulls up and knocks down a three. He proceeds to do it again. He goes for the first 10 points for the team. I mean, I don't want to lose my mind yet, but Tyrese might look like a budding star already. Yeah. Already, man. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, I, it's impossible to set a ceiling for this kid at this point. Like, he just continues to blow by every expectation. And we're looking at a court that was shared with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons. And there's a real argument that Tyrese Maxey was the best player on the court last night. And just impressive stuff, 20 points in 14 minutes. I was also very impressed with his overall decision-making as a passer as well. That was an area of growth that I'm personally looking to see this year. And I saw some flashes even just last night. Uh, he talked a lot about how he's done some live read action in his off-season workout, just be, being focused on when to score, when to pass, when he sees cutters, uh, things of that scenario. There was a play where he hit Matisse on a very tight bounce pass where Matisse kind of fumbled it, didn't get the catch. But that was a look that I was very impressed that we did not see him make in the past two years. He had three assists in the 14 minutes as well. So as a passer, that's extremely impressive and uh, an area that when looking to his long-term future, I think that's very crucial in his growth. For the short term with James Harden right beside him, obviously Harden's going to be the guy taking most of the, the playmaking responsibilities. And that frees Maxi up to be the scorer that we we're seeing that he can be. The three-point shot has has really changed the trajectory of his game and raised him to that superstar static because he's a guy who it's so crazy when you think of Tyrese Maxey, you think of like the pace, the speed, the way he pushes tempo and pair that with him being the third three point shooter in the league last year is pretty ridiculous. So it really is impossible just to contain excitement for this guy. And I have no idea how good he really can get. He's still 21 years old, man. He's still 21. He hasn't even seen the beginning yet. And it's like, Holy smokes the way that he came out and approached the game, 20 points, three assists, and a block in 14 minutes. Tyrese Maxey looking like the guy already. Let's not overreact, Sixer Nation, but my gosh. I mean, this guy was good. And you talked about the passing, which is something I want to I hit on in just a minute. But you know what really stood out to me from Tyrese Maxey last night? It was the confidence. And, and I yeah. mean that in a couple ways. Number one, obviously coming right out of the gate, this is a high emotion type of environment. We know everything with Ben. We know everything going on. He comes right out and says, nah, look what I've done. Knocks down not one but two deep threes. And then going even forward, I just saw him attacking. You know, And one of the things I wanted to see him improve on as a player this offseason is becoming smarter. Because you just talked about it, 42% from three. I don't think he's going to take, take much of a statistical jump this year. I mean, it would be pretty hard given that what he did last year was kind of non-traditional. But... I want to see him be a smarter player, limit the turnovers, be more confident, take his spots. And he comes right out. He was driving to the basket. I thought he did a great job penetrating that first level of defense. And really, I mean, I've been saying all offseason, it looks like he put on 20 pounds. You know, 
I didn't really see Maxi get thrown around like he did last year. You know, he was bumping into guys, using his shoulders, driving right to the basket, laying it off the glass. I thought Maxi was spectacular, and I loved his mindset last night. Mm-hmm, definitely, and the the muscle is legit on him too. Like you can see it in the way he he stands. I had a chance to see him at the Rump up at LaSalle earlier this summer, and I was pretty blown away by like just how physically like it's notable. And that's like we always hear the stories of the guys like living in the weight room putting on it, but to see Max, he just like truly like walk the walk as much as he talks the talk, and it, it's awesome to see. And like that is pretty game changing for a guy who you know, only six two has a little bit shorter in stature with the finishing ability that he already has to pair that with the ability to take contact. Like, I think we could see a, a, some growth in some like, and ones by him. And, and I also think that the, there was a little bit of growth in just the whistle that he was getting last night. And obviously it's one game of preseason. Don't want to read fully into it, but that does matter in the NBA because you see like the stars get the calls and that's just kind of how things go. You got to earn your mark. We've kind of both you and I have stood up here and complained about the Maxi not getting calls in, in past years, and I think the tides are going to turn on that a little bit this year. And if if Maxi and Bead and Harden are all getting the free throw line, I mean, a games are going to take six hours, but b that <laughs> that shows something for his maturity and how fast he's growing among league circles as well. Yeah, six for six from the line, and I thought you said it perfectly to start off the show. You know. Tyrese Maxey was the best player on the floor last night. It wasn't Kevin Durant. It wasn't Kyrie Irving. It wasn't Ben Simmons or anybody else. It was Tyrese Maxey. Like, he immediately came out and got his points. And I love that aggression, especially with guys not on the floor. Because who knows? We may see games this year where James Harden might get a night off or Embiid, right? You know, maybe you want to load manage a little bit and and try to preserve these guys for the playoffs. Maxey said it doesn't matter. You know, this can be my offense. And I think... This is really going to spark a lot of conversation this entire year about what version of James Harden will we need if we get a version like this of Tyrese Maxey, you know? So it's very, very interesting. Also a quote, uh, Tyrese Maxey was asked, you know, about James Harden. Obviously we saw them uh, shaking hands on, on the sideline and, and James was hyped for him. Everybody was happy. Tyrese Maxey says, quote, it's great to have a big brother like that. What do you think about their connection, just the relationship and, and really how much they've grown you know, over this off season. Yeah, it's awesome. They both have worked out together a decent bit this off season, which is exactly what you hope to hear and uh, love to see. Uh, it surprised me just how well fitting these two are. And obviously we, uh, it, the version of James Harden that shows up is uh, the big question mark heading into this year, but being the guy that's able to take the playmaking responsibilities off Max, uh, off Maxie's shoulders allows him to just flourish as the score that that's him at his most natural, his most natural version of playing basketball is when he's creating his own shot, whether it is by attacking the rim, setting up his jumper, shooting three pointers, whatever it is, him just being able to focus on that has been awesome. And to your point about uh, not necessarily needing James Harden to be the superstar, there's definitely going to be nights where James Harden can be the third, maybe even fourth best player on the Sixers and they can still produce wins, which is awesome. And obviously we hope to see more of that. But I think it's very cool how how quickly those two seem to have grown together. Just both of them being willing to pick up and move to where the other one is to go work out. Uh, that type of commitment goes a far way. So it's awesome. It seems like it's all sunshine and rainbows right now. And I hope that carries into the regular season. Yeah, Maxi was a leader. He really set the tone for this team last night. They come out, they put up 42 points in the first quarter. I'm like, what is going on here? You got Thibel hitting threes. Uh, Melton hit a shot. You got Niang dropping threes. Isaiah Joe, everybody was just getting in on that in the first quarter. Um, and, and it was a, it was electric, man. Like, this is what we need. We need those guys to step up, play on both sides of the ball. Uh, they were creating space. And another thing, which we didn't really hit on yet, I mean, 
the defensive side of it, like I thought the rebounding and the defense last night, not even just the first quarter, but overall, I loved our approach, you know, especially it, it sticks out to me in the first quarter. Matisse Thibel and DeAnthony Melton, we can say it right now, they didn't have really good offensive nights. Thibel hit a shot early. I thought Melton was kind of forcing things, but, you know, it's preseason. Let him go through the motions, you know, try to get that down a little bit. But defensively, these guys had six steals, six steals mm-hmm. in the first half combined, and they were picking the passing lanes. You know, the Brooklyn Nets are supposed to be a better defensive team now with Ben Simmons. I thought the Sixers came out with that presence, and they said, nah, you know, we're, we're going to try to create, um, you know, transition points for ourselves by getting some steals, pushing it up the floor quick. That was a big emphasis point for this team last year. All we heard about was how slow we were and how much time it took us to get up the floor and our pace. I thought we had a different mentality and that's kind of your goal, right? With, you know, adding some of these pieces this off season. Yeah, definitely. For Melton specifically, I was very impressed defensively. I do think offensively, he forced things a little bit, didn't play within his most natural role. And that all just comes with, you know, more minutes on a new team. He'll settle in, find his role. But defensively, you can just tell the instincts are there. The 6'9 wingspan, he flashed. Uh, him and Thibel next to each other on the court is going to be some madness for opposing teams. And uh, I loved just the prospect of like, I think him and Maxi in a backcourt for stretches is going to be very fun as well. I like the way that he's willing to just hound, pick up full court. I'm excited for what Melton's going to fully settle in and be. I don't think last night was the best example of that. And B-Ball Paul, I also think played a, a, a massive role in how great the defense was. And that's been part of my like pounding the table four minutes for Paul Reed is just how switchable he is, how long his arms are. And he's just madness on a court in a positive way. And he brought that out last night. I was happy to see him get the start over Montrez Harrell. He's a guy who continues to keep his head down and work in the midst of the Sixers, just bringing in more talent to compete with him. And last night was a major step toward him, I think, earning that backup center role, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm I'm definitely intrigued to hear your thoughts on that later on. I definitely want to get into the Paul Reed-Trez Harrell conversation because it was, some people were satisfied. Some people were pissed. It was a preseason game, but definitely going to be interesting to hear your take on that. Now, one more thing with Tyrese Max. I want to pull up this clip. Shout out to uh, Jackson Frank on Twitter. Um, just kind of talking about Tyrese Maxey's growth as a point guard. Like you said earlier, the facilitator part, uh, Doc Rivers has been on record. And we're going to take a look at that clip later, too, where, you know, Doc Rivers had a conversation with James Harden. He was talking about being a facilitator, also a scorer. I think it's important to find that balance. You know, the Sixers want to go two guard heavy with Joel Embiid. That's really the majority of the offense, right? The pick and roll. You have a lot of lethal combinations, but. Tyrese Maxey, as I said earlier, needs to get better as a point guard. And that's what he's already doing that. Like he's going through some of these things so early in his career where it's like, imagine what it's going to be like in four to five years. Now in this play, Jackson Frank says, you know, he just talks about generating a high shot and, and look how Maxey kind of reads the defense here. Let me mute that. Look how Maxey reads his defense and instantly to cut and he finds him. You know, he instantly finds him right to the basket. Now, Thibel fumbled the bag a little bit, but still, I, I don't feel like we saw those sharp, quick reads like that all the time for Max. I think we've seen flashes of it, but I don't know. He just came out so much more polished than I expected in the first game. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. That that was the play I was talking about earlier that really stood out to me as well. And I think it's uh, just that kind of, like you said, quick decision-making being able to read a passing lane like that, because that is a, a high IQ pass. That's one of those that we see Harden make all the time. And uh, as much as like these two are growing together, those are the type of nuances that you just pick up from playing like a player, playing with a player like James Harden. So 
that I was thrilled to see. Maxi is a guy who's been so careful and so great at taking care of the ball. Last year, he averaged 1.2 turnovers per game, which is pretty ridiculous considering the amount of time he played and the amount of time he spent with the ball in his hand. And in a weird way, I almost want to see the turnovers go up a little bit as like, a, I want to see you trying stuff. I want to see you trying to make more plays because it's kind of like a, if you compare it to like an NFL quarterback, like you obviously want the guy who never throws interceptions, but you also can't have the guy who's only throwing checkdowns all the time. Like you have to at least kind of go for it sometimes. And that's what I want to see with Maxi is being willing to go out there and make that like crazy pass at, when the moment is right, obviously not getting reckless, but I thought last night and this play specifically was a very strong indicator of it. And uh, if he can grow as a passer, in addition to everything we've seen as a scorer, like that is a franchise center beast max player right there. And that's the the trajectory he certainly is on. Yeah, he could he could kind of be the future beyond the future. It's weird because yeah. he can also be the present. You know, it's not normal where you get a guy like this where you're competing for a championship and it's all right, you might have to be the second piece on some nights, maybe even the first option. But also, you know, if things don't go the way you want them to in three years, well, you're gonna be with us for another 10 years, hopefully, right? So it's like it's a it's kind of a weird situation, but I just love the growth and development. And just speaking of what you said, like I agree. I think he's already getting more aggressive like I saw him take some chances last night that I don't think I saw consistently last year and like the one play like I said that just stands out to me is where he drives at a basket kind of fades off to his left and uses his shoulder and just high arcs it off the glass like that's just those are just the progressions you go through as a young guard and I mean if, if we can get this consistently who knows what he can be this year I mean again statistically it's hard when you have Joel and B when you have James Harden but just as a player like this team can be really good on offense. Yeah, definitely. And I still think there's going to be some statistical strides forward. Like it's hard. He's got a pretty high bar that he's already trying to reach, but I think he's going to be a 20 plus point per game scorer this year in year three. I think we're going to see that type of leap from him. I think he's probably going to outscore Harden on a decent amount of nights just because that's how offensively talented he is. And we see Harden being uh, more naturally just a playmaker at this stage in his career and just the high IQ of his willingness to set up Maxi. His catch and shoot numbers went through the roof with Harden. His points per game increased next to Harden. So I, I think this is all just great news, this growing together. And a lot of it is, is I don't think Maxi's fully figured out how good he is yet. So once he that kind of clicks in his head that he really is the the level of superstar that we're seeing from a talent perspective, it's kind of scary hours coming in Philadelphia. Yeah, honestly, I agree. Uh, shout out to everybody in here, man. 200 in the chat. Hit the like button for your boys, man. Hit the like button. Talking with Sean Bernard, one of the best doing it, man. Before we continue to talk about this Sixers team, which I'm very, very excited to continually break down, we have to talk about the elephant in the room for a, a few brief moments, and that is Ben Simmons. I was streaming the game last night, and, you know, I again, I, I feel like I just tell the truth on this guy all the time. Like, I mean, it's, it's not hard to see as a Sixers fan, am I right? Like, Steve Nash, there he is right there on the screen. <laughs> all, you know, over the last couple of weeks, I've heard multiple times from Steve Nash. He's come out and say, I love his game. I don't need him to be anything different. And you know what it looked like to me last night? It looked like the same old guy. It looked like he didn't do anything to improve. He goes to the line. He misses two free throws. This clip right here I have pulled up where uh, George Niang clamps him. He tries a little midi fadeaway, and he misses by four feet to the right. <laughs> now, again, he's not our problem anymore, and I'm very happy about that. But, I, you know, you know what I saw last night? Honestly, I saw the Sixers offense from a couple years ago where Seth Curry's running around dribble handoffs and Ben has his back to the basket at the high post and everybody else just looks a little bit confused and he's trying to get Joe Harris. He's trying to feed him. He's trying to feed him. Obviously, Seth Curry did not play last night. 
but I just saw the same old thing and I love it. (laughs) I love it. I mean, it's not our problem anymore, but it's like, wow. And you know, despite having Kyrie Irving, despite having Kevin Durant, it doesn't matter when you have a guy that kind of stints the offense. And you know, what's the funniest part is, is that come playoff time, I don't see it being any different. I don't, I don't see them. Like I saw all I needed to see. The Sixers bench players with Maxi and Tobias held that team. They went toe to toe with them in the first half. And then by the time we got to halftime, like who cares anymore? Right. But mm-hmm. it's just like, yo, like, I'm not scared of that team. I'm not scared of them at all. We, we've been saying this. I'm not scared of them. Come on, man. Yeah, I, I think he's in a, a better situation for him stylistically, but the the weaknesses in his game are just too massive to overcome to some extent, and they get magnified in the postseason. I mean, we've been through this so many times with the Sixers and like just trying to think of obscure ways to make it work and make it fit. But in the rea- the reality of it is, is there's basic basketball skills that you just have to be able to do. And for a player as ball dominant as Ben Simmons, there has to be some threat of a scoring, just some scoring ability. I know he ended with six last night. Uh, the two missed free throws once again was like just a clear <laughs> evidence of a guy like still, still so deep in his own head on a uh, basketball perspective that like if until you can like get through those demons, you're just not going to be able to contribute to your team in a winning way. And like looking at him next to Kevin Durant and Kyrie there, this is three guys that are extremely ball dominant and they like, I I just can't wait to see how this plays out. It it feels like the nets for several years now have just been a team loaded with talent and just with no mindset of how the pieces actually fit together. Mm -hmm. It feels really great to not have the Ben Simmons issue and being worried about it. And even like this play here, like, no disrespect to George's Niang, but that is a matchup that Ben Simmons should be like salivating that I can take this guy. He has no, he has no game around the rim. He he never has. It is, it is impressive. The lack of touch he has for a guy, his size, like around the rim. And even like when we talk about not to compare him to Maxi, because there's been plenty of that, but just look at the way Maxi like artfully will attack a guy and just find a way to lay it up. Ben is always the opposite for a guy so much bigger than Maxi. He's a guy who's, fading away, afraid of the contact and yeah. kind of bricking it off. Like the lack yeah. of touch and the night and day difference. So it feels very good for the yeah. Ben Simmons concerns to not be our issue anymore. Two quick things on this. Number one, I mean, Sean, we can agree, right? If it's you or I or anybody else, like the perfect time to come out here and shut up the narrative is, is in preseason. I know it's against yeah. the Sixers. There's a lot of, you know, emotion and all that, I guess. But the, the time to come out and just let a three-pointer fly would be yesterday, right? Like get all of it off your shoulders. I'm back. It's been two years. I'm back and and ready to go. But I feel like he missed that shot. And it again, it was like, it it reminds me of that Grizzlies game where he missed that three terribly and said, I'm not doing it ever again. You know, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I agree with that too. And I will say there was a part of me that was like, not concerned, but just, I guess, curious, like what version this guy is going to show up, what really is. And to some extent, I guess it's a little reassuring. It's like, Nope, that's still the same guy that he thought he was. But it's like from a, a just personal perspective, like I feel like there has to be like the desire to grow. And even as, as recently as going on like the JJ Reddick podcast and talking about like, yeah, I need to shoot threes and this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like whatever. It's like, just do it. Like, and like you said, preseason against the Sixers, this was a perfect opportunity for him to just reset the narrative on him, put up his own, start writing his own story here, but he let it slip away and it's very clear it's the same guy. Absolutely. And the last thing I want to say is, you know, it, you you hit on a very good point there. It was very interesting to me watching him bring the ball down the floor every possession. 
And I think that'll be crucial, especially as the Nets go on with their season. You know, people think they're going to stack up and be a competitor in the East. Well, then we have to keep an eye on them, right? And it was weird. Like, and I called it as soon as he went out of the game, I said, the Nets are going to go on a run. That's when they started up an 11-0 run. They came back, ended up tying it up and all that good stuff. But it was so weird how Kyrie Irving was not running the point. It was essentially Ben Simmons. And, and it seemed like they didn't know how to figure it out yet. They didn't know, they didn't know what to do. And, and that's what we've said before. Like you have him on the floor who doesn't shoot, but then you have a ball dominant player like Kyrie, like KD, like, how do you make that fit? I don't think it's going to be a good fit, but that's just me. Yeah, definitely. And we've seen like this just kind of renaissance of positionless basketball. And that's like the new obsession from teams all over. But Ben Simmons kind of embodies like the negative side of position bas- positionless basketball because he's positionless in the way of like there isn't a true role that he excels with. Like, yes, he's brilliant with the ball. He can make some really nice decisions, especially in transition, stuff like that. But when you get in like a half court setting, you can either hide him in the dunker spot, which the Sixers did plenty of, and you're really just kind of clogging up space. And now, granted, that was a bigger detriment to the Sixers because of Embiid and the post-dominant player that he is. But you're still just kind of taking up that space if you throw him there with the Nets. And if you're putting him on ball, which is kind of what you want because of he is a a good decision maker, a good ball handler, you're taking it out of your two best players' hands in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And Kyrie is not a guy who does his off-ball work and goes and creates separation. For the most part, both these guys are very isolation in their nature and would rather take a guy off a dribble. And also, there's been the talks about playing Ben at the five. Like, yes, he has the size and could be like the get a rebound and push it, but he just completely lacks the physicality to match up with like any big man and across the NBA. And even if it is like the like your small ball version that you're not doing a full stint, like you play a guy like Bam Adebayo or basically any center that you name, like not even Joel, who's obviously the extreme example here. It's just like Ben does not like he's never a guy who goes up and gets those contested rebounds. He'll get the ones because he's big, but it's just like there isn't a clean fit for him no matter who you surround him with. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out for sure. Um, going even forward, though, I mean, a lot of the Sixers players played well last night. And, and once again, shout out to everybody in the chat. Hit the thumbs up button. We'll take your calls in a little while. Uh, hit that subscribe button, man. I mean, the Sixers put up 127. You know, again, it's preseason. A lot of guys were getting minutes. I was I was surprised to see all the dudes getting minutes. We ended up getting some sea bass action. We got some Julian Champagne. I was pleasantly surprised with Champagne. He came out, yeah. uh, you know, with a laser shot. Um, we saw Jaden Springer. I thought his on-ball defense was decent, right? We saw Charlie Brown. We saw everybody on in the rotation. Um, but who stood out to you last night? Was there a guy you were looking for, a certain matchup? Who really stood out in a good way or a bad way? And you were like, okay, that's what I wanted to see. Yeah, I'll go. I'll give the shout out to Montrez Harrell here. And granted, I know he fouled out in 12 minutes, which isn't the best thing. But for what he did in the on court, uh, he's just kind of like I think him and B-Ball Paul are going to be an excellent pairing. It's like a, a Bash Brothers and kind of offensive and defensive versions of each other. And like even in the the minimal preseason, like we saw him smack the guy's hand away when he tried to help him out. We saw him screaming in a guy's face, talking after a, a dunk. So there's just like the intensity that he brings, the rim rocking dunks that he brings. I think there's plenty more offensively that there's going to be unlocked with Harold, uh, more with the pick and roll I would like to see. And just as a, an isolation creator, like we've never had a backup center that the you can just kind of give the ball to and go get a bucket. And Montrez is capable of doing that. So I think that's going to continue to grow. I was happy with what he brought. I also think him and B-Ball Paul could potentially play together a little bit. And I think that was one of my takeaways from last night is like kind of envisioning that and seeing that I think that could work from an aspect. And that would, 
be nightmares for opposing teams. So uh, I'll give it to Montrez Harrell as my first positive takeaway. Overall, not a lot of negatives for me. Honestly, yeah. Trez, 10 points, five rebounds, three assists in 12 minutes. The fact that he got fouled out in a preseason game, like that was incredible in the third quarter. Now, I feel like the refs might have a target on his back this year. But, you know, when we signed Harrell, all the things that you just said were exactly why I felt this was such a good signing. And it came at the right time. He kind of fell into your lap. I don't think Trez is a is a minimum player. I had Austin Krell on last week, and he was saying the same thing. Like, people were completely overreacting, just like they did with Drummond, just like they did with Dwight. I mean, for sakes, like, he's a backup. And he was able to do that in just a little sample size. And like you said, all the intangible stuff, like the energy, get out of my face, you know? Like, it's just being that dog, being one of them that we need and that we have desperately needed I, I thought his game was great, and and Trez was a a big positive for me. Yeah, definitely. And the Trez signing, there's kind of two different conversations. The pure addition itself, I don't think anyone should have an issue with. It's very clear that he makes this team better. Is a flavor of player the Sixers didn't have, and is is really a higher caliber backup big than that. Not that he is a traditional big, but just in that role, a better quality player than any of these guys that they listed in the Dwight Howards, the Andre Drummonds, the DeAndre Jordan so on and so forth the other side of the conversation is like how doc rivers will utilize him and that's where i think all the negative perceptions come from because there is clear evidence of like three years ago him playing trez way too much in the playoffs that blew a 3-1 lead uh during their time with the clippers against Jokic, and those demons are still floating in everyone's head so it's a little bit of two different conversations to me like the Trez signing for sure is a 10 out of 10. If you will use properly is a different conversation, but as far as a regular season innings eater guy, who's going to produce, I love him on this Sixers team. And I think he's going to be a fan favorite extremely quickly. I agree. And I think, you know, you're in a spot where you're trying to win a championship. Like you're all in the chips are all in, you know, you, you have to continue to build with experience and it's nice seeing some of these guys. I thought Bassie played pretty well too. I mean, his stat line, four rebound or uh, four points and nine rebounds. I thought Bassey played well in his minutes. Again, it was against the bottom of the rotation. But, you know, I like the competition. And I think Paul Reed, like you said, can eat up minutes. Trez can do the same thing. I don't know who Doc's going to favor. I feel like it'll be Montrez. But if Paul Reed shows that energy like he did last night on both sides, I mean, he was going up, he was grabbing boards. Paul Reed finishes with 10 points, five rebounds. It was his energy, though. You know, the, the one question mark I have that I I can't let it get past me this year because I feel like we have to hold this team and these players to really high expectations is what will Paul Reed's shot look like? Will he ever be able to shoot? I saw some warm-ups of him. It looked the same, which is not promising to me. But I wish I could take the motor in Paul Reed and, and put it in some of these other guys, you know, because he, he does some of the dirty work. And if Paul Reed can con- continue to develop his offensive game, like you just said, you know, Trez is able to actually get us a bucket. I don't think we've had that so consistently, and I think it's it, it'll make for great competition for sure. But Paul's going to have to do a little more in my in my books and probably Doc Rivers' books to get consistent minutes on his team. Yeah, it's going to be interesting how it shakes out. One of I think the surprise rumblings coming out of Sixers camp, and Keith Pompey just wrote in an article, kind of stating it all out that like B-Ball Paul looks to have the inside track on the the backup jog as of now. And now granted, part of that I'm sure is Montrez is a little bit late to the game and coming to the Sixers and everything that comes with it. And it's going to be a throughout the season competition thing, match by matchup basis. But I, I, I'm like, I cannot be more proud of Paul's mindset on everything too. Cause you just see like, 
he really has been continually trying to push down in the mud and just can keeps his head down grinds and he has gotten better like there's areas of his game where he's definitely improved from when he first came in the nba and even like there was a, a play uh last night that to me like pinpointed the value i see in b-ball paul is it was a pick and roll they ran against him he went into drop coverage they tried to play the bounce pass in between and he just picked it off and started a fast break down the other way and that's like a you don't see that from very few big men and Joel is not even a guy capable of doing that. So it's like to see a player as versatile as he is with the hands that he does and just the madness he creates, there's value in that. And uh, there's some sort of role for him on this roster. And as far as the shooting, I know it doesn't look pretty, but there still will always be in my head. Like he shot 45% from three of this G league, his rookie year, his MVP of the G league year. So there's a part of me that still believes in the shot, even if it isn't the most uh, good looking shot in the world. Look, man, I hope and pray he does. I think Reed would be a great piece, especially he's not on a big contract. You know, he's still young in his career. Even Bass, he showed me some potential. I think having that that competition, again, between those high motor guys is very good for this team. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what it looks like next game. You know, can they give us a consistent bunch? And that kind of takes me to one of my positive takeaways, which was actually Furk on Korkmaz. Yes, I know, it's crazy. In 2022, I'm saying Furk on Korkmaz was my positive takeaway. But he looked really good. And if you remember last year for a bunch of games to begin the season, Furkan did look really good. It was like, okay, he finally took that next step. And when I look at guys like Furkan, when I look at guys like Shake Milton, to me, this is the last limb. This is the last chance. We're on, we're on championship mode. These guys are first round picks, you know, early second round picks. You have to come out here and show your worth. And, and honestly, I, I didn't see much from Shake Milton last night. I hope we can see more of a sample from him and see what he can do. But I thought Furkan was incredible. He finishes with 15 points, knocks down a couple threes, six for 12 from the field. And Furkan talked recently about how last year he was going through injury things and he couldn't really like feel his thumb and he had some problems there. I, I just need it consistently. If we can get, for example, this Furkan, or if we can get that Matisse who shot a three early on in the game, or we can get some production from an Isaiah Joe, for example, who I thought played pretty well. Imagine what this team can be. We've needed that depth. We've gotten to the playoffs, and our bench has been awful the last couple of years. We need guys to step up, and we need guys to hit shots. And I thought Furkan even taking the initiative, taking the ball in the second half, driving it to the hoop. Like, we saw Euro Furk last night in the third quarter. He was single-handedly taking this team to another level. Like, when everybody else went out, the Nets were crawling back into it. Furkan said, okay, the Sixers went on like a 14-2 run, whatever it was. And and he just pulled the game away. I was impressed with Furkan. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I was surprised when he came back from media day and talked about that. He said he had some nerve damage in his hand last year that originated around the All-Star break. And first off, credit to him for just playing through it, not really saying anything. And that is, to me, more than a fair excuse for a guy that shot 23% from three following the All-Star break. So you never want to see that thing. He said he went through two months of rehab this offseason to to get feeling back in his hands, really. So uh, with him fully healthy, he looked like a whole different player last night. And he's a guy that, like, the need for the skill set of Furkan is still very clearly on the Sixers team. And if he can be that player is the, the bigger question. Uh, the bottom of the roster, there's so much competition, and they still have 17 guys for 15 roster spots. They're going to have to either cut to or form some sort of trade to get down to the 15-man uh, minimum ahead of the regular season. So I still would not rule out uh, some sort of package that's built around like a, a three-for-one or three-for-two or some sort of trade to clear things out. And Furkan's a name, unfortunately, I, I could see popping that if that's the case. But I was pretty proud of how he played last night. He looked way more comfortable, and he feels like a guy playing with like nothing to lose, which is awesome. That's the mindset you want at this stage in his career and obviously in the situation he's in. 
Absolutely, man. When we when we uh, get back in a second, I want to talk about DeAnthony Melton because a lot of Sixers fans have been high on him. I thought he was forcing shots. We'll talk about his game, Thibel. Also, you know, I, I want to get Sean's take on who he believes will end up getting cut from the roster because there's a lot of chatter about it. We saw a little preview last night. I still think we're going to go through the next couple games, but I mean, I, I'm starting to, I'm starting to formulate a little bit based on what I saw yesterday because we saw some of the G League guys. We saw, you know, some of the end of the role players that, you know, I, I'll say didn't look too good. But let us know in the chat, who do you think ends up getting cut? Which two players will go? Will there be a potential trade or something of that sort? So once again, hit the like button, 330 in the chat. Shout out to everybody in here. Got to take a quick second to tell you guys about Manscaped. Shout out to Manscaped for sponsoring today's show. Uh, leading provider of below the waist men's grooming products. Manscaped has you covered all my fellas out there, man. Go check out the performance package 4.0, the weed whacker, man, the ear and nose hair trimmer, uh, the Manscaped crop reviver, the crop toner, all that stuff, man, the ball deodorant, and most importantly, the lawnmower 4.0. Fellas, go get yourselves one of those, man. They're the best in the game doing it. Skin safe technology, cutting edge ceramic blade, um, and just helping you protect the jewels, man, and uh, take it to the next level. We're getting to the winter time. We're getting, you know, it's it's getting cold outside, man. You got to protect the jewels and, and make sure you don't hit the roots, man. Your ladies will thank you. And um, it's about that time, man. So shout out to Manscaped. Click the link down below in the description. Use promo code Philly Take for 20% off and free shipping. Shout out to Manscaped, man. All right, back into it. And also call us up, man. 508-924-3784. On the phone lines, man. Call us up. What do you guys think about this game yesterday? Are we done talking about Ben Simmons for the season? Are the Nets scary? What do the Sixers look like? How do you feel? Do you feel any different about him last night? Let us know. Also, I want to go back to Sean, man. Who do you think is going to get cut? Give us, give us your ultimatum after one preseason game. Ultra reactionary. Let us know. I think, unfortunately, it's going to be Trevlin Queen and Charles Bassey, which... Uh, it's a bummer because I do think both these guys are NBA talents, even though this might not be the place for them. Uh, for Bassey specifically, I think the the Harrell signing kind of indicated that the Sixers didn't believe that he was ready. And like you said before this, like the Sixers' focus has to be on championship or bust. Like we're we're not really in the time frame to be developing uh, another backup big. And as as much as Bassey, like I said, I do believe is an NBA guy. He has the skill set, has the frame. He's not a can't miss guy in the way that like if you cut him, you're missing out on the next best thing. And I think he'll find a spot to land, but you can find another Charles Bassey if you really need to. So I think that that that's going to be the one spot. And for Trevlin Queen, this breaks my heart because I am a Trevlin Queen believer. He's been a guy like I, I shouted out uh, going into the offseason that if there's any sort of spot, let's give him a chance. I watched him at the the Delaware Bluecoats, the final where uh, with the Rockets organization, he beat them. He dropped 40 on the Delaware Bluecoats head and then stomped on the logo to start a whole fight. So I was like, <laughs> this is my guy right here. And then I was thrilled when they brought him in. But unfortunately, the way that I think the cards are, are shaking out, those two I do see at the bottom of the roster. I do hope that there's some sort of trade that manifests itself where maybe the Sixers flip like maybe a, a Furkan, Matisse, and Shake Milton for like another key role player and yes. then add those guys at the bottom. That would be my ideal, but I think if it comes down to cuts, it's Queen and Bassey. You're talking my language, man. You're talking my language. People, you know, I, I bring up some of these different bench guys are like, ah, ah, no, no. Like, I would certainly take another experienced bench player right now on this team. But, I mean, I don't have anything to add. I mean, I agree. I think it's going to be Trev Queen, Charles Bassey. I was very scared at one point 
that it would be Isaiah Joe. But Isaiah Joe did come in the game fairly early yesterday. He went out, he hit some of his shots. He's telling Doc Rivers, you know, you you can't get rid of me. You can't get rid of me. I'm third year in the league. My shot's getting better. I'm, I can defend as well. And it feels like in some of the opportunity last year when he got a chance, he hit some shots. Like, he did his thing. And he can only get better. Isaiah Joe had nine points yesterday. But, yeah, man, Trev Queen's a good story. He's a really good story. But I just, I don't know. He was forcing the issue a little bit. I, I hope he's okay as well. I know he went down, had a little bit of an injury there. But hopefully he's okay. I thought Bassey was solid. But the thing is, you have Paul Reed, who has experience now in the playoffs last year. You have Montrez Harrell who obviously Doc is going to keep on his team, Bassey might be the odd man out. But if I had to give a bold take, don't ever underestimate Daryl Morey. You know, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I don't know how you're feeling about Jaden Springer. I don't feel like he fits his team one bit. I don't feel yeah. like his, his development fits his team one bit. So you never know. You never know. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And my my issue with Springer is we still don't know what position this guy can play. Like, he's not his if he can improve in either his ball handling or shooting like you there's a role for him his defense is there his defense is nba ready he has an nba ready body he's a guy that can match up with some elite perimeter guards like i I really do believe that right now but offensively he just looks pretty lost out there he plays pretty much like a power forward in a guard's body in a way that's pretty bizarre to actually watch and even at the G League level, he shot 23% from three last year. And that's just that's just not going to cut it in, a, in an NBA fashion. And the ball handling especially concerns me. Like, you have to either be able to to be a lead guard or be a guy that can catch and shoot. And right now, right now he doesn't either. He's still, in the long run, I think is going to sh- turn out to be a, a fine player. But I, I agree. I don't think it matches the timeline. And the Sixers obviously have a first-round pick invested in him. That's the reason I think he sticks is just because of – because of that, because of the long-term belief. And I do see the player that he could be in there. Uh, but if there's a, a trade on the market, if there's somebody that's interested in Jaden Springer, if he goes to maybe like a Houston Rockets or a team that isn't as pressing to win, I think that makes much more sense and something that Morey should at least sniff around on. Yeah, for sure. And, and given his contract, you know he's not going to get cut. But still, I mean, you never know. You never. I mean, he did show me a little bit yesterday, especially that yeah. on-ball pressure. We've been hearing about it in training camp. I thought he was a little bit impressive on the defensive side. I think it's there. I, I see the potential. I yeah. just don't know about the window, you know, with this Sixers team. Uh, before we hit the phone lines, once again, call us up 508-924-3784. What did you think about DeAnthony Melton? Uh, he's a guy that I've been sitting here saying, all right, let, let me see it in action, you know, and mm-hmm. he was forcing the issue a little bit. He was missing his shots. It seemed like he was trying to get that, like get that groove going where he could get in a rhythm a little bit. He just never found it last night. But I actually like his confidence a little bit. I, I like the fact that he's willing to take 10 shots, take 12 shots, even when they're not dropping. You know, he just kept attacking. What do you think about the Anthony Melton? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, he's been a favorite of mine since he came in the league. I loved watching him with the Grizzlies. He kind of fell out of uh, fell out of good faith with the Grizzlies with the addition of Zaire Williamson, who is a younger player with a little bit more potential. And Melton is kind of similar to a lot of guys that they had there but he's very different from the guys that the Sixers have had in the way that he is a two-way guy. I agree. I think he tried to force it a little bit too much last night, tried to really assert himself. I think he took on the like the Harden and Bede and Tucker and House uh, sitting out on himself to kind of fill that role. And in one regard, it's like slow down a little bit and like fi- you'll find yourself. But on the other, like it's a little bit refreshing to me to see a guy be willing to just like try and shoot himself through things. So I was happy to see that. Defense is where his bread is going to be buttered. That's where he kind of really makes his impact. And uh, he, I, I love the fact, I, I, it reminds me a little bit of, in a very different way, but of TJ McConnell 
when you would mm. throw him out there as a changeup, where a guy that would just pick him up like 94 feet the whole court and be willing to do that, D'Anthony Melton will do that for stretches, and that's a cool thing to just have in the in the weapon box, be able to throw out once in a while. And I do think he will comfortably find his role with this team. I think he tried to do a little bit too much last night at day one in the preseason, but uh, he's a good addition to this team for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and I thought you know beginning of the game like he brought that intensity right away. Like he helped create some transition points. Um, again, he had three steals. Thibel had three. He did go two for ten on the offensive side, but. Um, you know, he's only going to improve from here on, like, just let him get settled a little bit. And lastly, you know, Champagne as well. Like, again, I mentioned him earlier. I mean, he had what, 15 points, hit a couple threes. I don't know. We haven't heard much about him. He'll probably be in the G league, but he looked a little bit impressive to me. Yeah. And night and day difference from the Julian Champagne we saw in summer league. He was a guy that I was, I was very disappointed in after summer league. Uh, uh, his rep is kind of as a three and D shooter, uh, specifically as a shooter and coming out of summer league, he shot the ball at a very poor clip. And he completely lost confidence with it. So it was it was pretty promising to see him just like come back, clean slate, and let it let it fly last night. And he saw success. So he's going to be on the two way deal this year. Him and Charlie Brown Jr. So uh, we'll definitely be more uh, G League than NBA, but a guy that's worth keeping an eye on at least. Yeah, for sure, man. Call us up five zero eight nine two four three seven eight four. Let us know what do you think about Jaden Springer, about the Anthony Melton, about some of these guys. Who do you think is going to make the team? What were your initial thoughts? Overall, man, this was a great game. Um, you know, we have a couple more in preseason, then we really get into it. And then we then we really get to that point where it's like, okay, we we need to produce. Um, where are you at with the team right now in general? Like just an overarching perspective. What can the the roof be this year? How high can the ceiling go for this Sixers team? What what are your expectations in terms of we have to get to this point this year? Yeah, I, the the ceiling's absolutely a championship as far as what we would consider the the bottom line for me is you have to get past the second round. You have to at least make it to an Eastern Conference Finals this year, and I think that has to be the bar for this Sixers team. But championship is definitely within the realm of uh, of question. Uh, I'm I'm very excited to see this team with Harden and Bead on the court. Like we're talking about all these positive things, and we still haven't seen our two superstars take the court. So I'm curious to see how that looks. Uh, in a regular season fashion, I'm not ready to start planning a parade yet, but I'm pretty encouraged from what I see. I also, throughout the offseason, I've pretty uh, consistently had the Sixers ranked as my number three team in the East. I do think they leapfrog above the Celtics because of the Ime Yudoka, uh, obviously the situation there, the coaching issue. Uh, I, I Obviously a terrible situation that is very weird and how it's all going down, but that hurts the Celtics in a major way. And He's a coach that deserves a ton of credit for helping them turn around last year. So without that, I do think the Sixers leapfrog them in the East. And if as long as you're in that mix for the best best teams, like anything can happen if you're peaking at the right time towards playoffs. So I think they did all the right things by building up the bench, providing more depth than we've seen around this the Joel Embiid era team ever. And I'm thrilled to see what this is actually going to look like. Yeah, Iva says number two. I think we're the number two team in the East this year. I think we're going to win 54 games. Um, this is this is this is our chance, in my opinion. Like this is the most polished roster that we have put around Joel Embiid, and having that whole training camp, having the whole offseason to finally go through this, I'm really excited. But I have to hold the expectations high. I know it's early, know it's premature, but man, it's like we have to get to the Eastern Conference Finals in my books, or else major change must be made like i i don't see a world where we we lose in the second round again and everything is okay like this is this is the year like it has to happen what do you think yeah i totally agree with that as much as there's been pressure on james harden that's a lot that's been talked about this offseason is what version of him showing up 
I would argue Doc Rivers has as much, if not more, uh, pressure on him going into this year. Because when you look at the postseason exits, like the reason for keeping Doc Rivers is almost like he hasn't truly messed it up. Like there's reasons for the losses. If you look at the Hawks series, obviously Ben Simmons caught the the brunt of that because of the the dunk and everything else that occurred in that series, and him just really just not looking like himself out there. Uh, look at last year, and it was the Embiid injury that ultimately sunk this team. Him missing the first two games of that Heat series changed everything. And if he's there from the beginning, it's a completely different story. Looking at this year, we now have all the tools put together, and it's on Doc Rivers' shoulders to to put it together in the right way and make sure that it's ready for the regular season success and into the postseason. So I would consider Doc Rivers with a guy with the most pressure on him going into this year. And I, I agree, if it's not past the second round, he's going to be packing next year. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a big type of prove it season for the Sixers, man. Like this is this is where it's at. You have all the pieces. We know the story. We know the history. I mean, you got to get there. You got to get there. But speaking of Doc Rivers, I want to pull up this clip as well from earlier. Um, he was on NBA Today and he was talking about James Harden and essentially what he needs to see from James Harden. And we saw during the training camp week, you know, that whole conversation. I thought that was a great practice, by the way, just getting like that in-depth look at everything. But here's what Doc Rivers essentially had to say. So he says he he, uh, he needs James Harden to be the James Harden, the score. And let's let's go ahead and listen to this clip here. I just didn't want James because I think we've talked so much about him being a facilitator. We even mm. started to show up. Talk, but I need him to be James Harden, too. Um, you know, if I had to combine, I would say a scoring Magic Johnson. I don't know. You guys come up with something. Uh, <laughs> but but that's what I want him to be. I don't want him to think that he's just – I want him to be a James Harden. But in that, I want him to also be the facilitator of this basketball team, too. So in a lot of ways, his role is growing bigger uh, for our team. And I, I just want him to keep thinking, do both. I just – so uh, a scorer and a facilitator, would you would you agree with that? Because I think that was spot on. Like the big thing this year is picking your spots, right? You have an emerging maxi. You got to fit Tobias into this equation. We know Joel. James needs to pick his spot. Some nights we may need a little flashback of Harden, but I, I think he just needs to be efficient. That's the word I've been using the whole offseason. You have to be efficient. You have to be the guy that maybe we saw in Brooklyn, the guy that can give you 12 dimes, 14 dimes, that can pick his spots and and can play off of the others as well. And we saw that practice where, you know, they were going back and forth and he said, you know, it's not just me. It's the pressure I create on the defense. Like I open up Maxi, I open up Joe. I thought that just showed like a really high intelligent IQ level from, from James Harden. Just, it just shows like his experience and how smart of a player he is. But what do you, what's your take on that? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I thought it was, I think Doc's been pretty spot on with the his management of Harden, especially that uh the interview that was shown from that practice where they were mic'd up and him talking through that back and forth was awesome. What makes James Harden so special is he's so dynamic as both a scorer and a playmaker in a way that very few players are. He's one of, one of only seven players of all time to lead the league in scoring and assist in separate years. So that type of magnitude is what makes him special. But he needs to rekindle a little bit of that just scoring ability because. We talked about this since the Ben Simmons days. Is there's that like section of the Sixers offense where there needs to be like a, a go get a bucket moment. And it, that has to come between the combination of Harden and Maxi. And as great as it is to like we're seeing the rising star with Maxi, at the end of the day, like 21 year olds don't win you championships. You need your superstars, you need your veteran guys to come in when crunch time is there. So that's what we're hoping for from Harden. I think he's capable of it. We're not asking him to do like too much. His main role is still gonna be a facilitator but he does still have to have that ability to just 
one-on-one create. He has to have like some sort of shake that he was missing last year. And that's going to be kind of the make or break factor for if he is truly like the quote unquote back that we're looking for. Yeah, I agree. And, and I was a big advocate for, you know, let's give him a shot because I felt like he showed it to us. He showed us a sample of what he could do when he came here. Like him and Joel Embiid had statistically the best pick and roll in the league. And, and that was in a small sample size. And that's kind of just getting thrown into the fire. Now you have a whole off season to kind of get your body right to go through things. And, you know, I was saying, I mean, you know, the guy looked hurt to me. He did. Now I'm not taking, I'm not absolving everything from him. He did play bad. There were games where he was awful. He needed to play much better and just show up. But I mean, if it clicks, like you just said, and and think about what Maxi could be. I saw just a little bit already in that game last night where I'm like, like he's different again. Like he he's yeah. a little bit different again. Like he can turn it on. So when I think about what James Harden we need, it's just the guy that meshes everything together, but can also add that scoring element, not to bring it full circle here, but essentially what we never got that we wanted so bad from Ben Simmons, just to not only be able to put everything together, but go get yours when you need to. And if Harden is, is the deal this season, if he is healthy, I don't see any reason why this team cannot be unstoppable on the offensive end. They've upgraded their defense. I think they could be a top five defensive team. But offensively, Mm -hmm. when you got to account for Joel Embiid, which is hard enough as it is, Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, Tobias, now P.J. Tucker, who can knock down some threes. I don't know. It's it's, it's scary to me. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's also like, to Harden's credit, we'll give him like, we've talked so much about what a down year and how much there's been disappointment for a guy that's still averaged like 21, 10 and a half and seven. So that is a credit to just the caliber of superstar he is that that is the case. And I also think there's an aspect of James Harden. We've seen this throughout his passes when he's locked in and cares like that shows in his play. And when he's not, that also shows in his play. And for the first half of the season with Brooklyn, and I do think there are justifiable complaints with his time in Brooklyn. Like he went to the Nets because he was sick of being the only guy in Houston. And then when he got to the Nets, essentially it was just, you know, Kyrie never showing up. Kevin Durant was hurt half the time. And it was the kind of the same situation with worse guys around him. He didn't have guys to optimize him. He pretty much had a bunch of minimum players with Kyrie, KD, and himself taking up the rest of the salary cap. So he kind of got sick of it when it was that and saw him let himself go. Uh, And then when he came to the Sixers, I do think he was locked in. He cared again, but he couldn't just snap himself back into like game shape the way he could when he was younger. So I think with a full offseason, with that same level of passion, with the desire to actually be that guy again, this is the first time we've seen James Harden back against the wall in many years. So I'm excited to see his motivation to kind of prove people wrong. And uh, I think he's going to do it. That's a really good point, too. And and when I think about this offseason and especially this upcoming one, you know, James Harden is also betting on himself. You know, yeah. he's betting on himself also for the betterment of the team, which, again, shows selflessness there. But, I mean, he's got to have a good year if he wants yeah. to extend his career, if he wants to get another contract. Not just him. You know, Thibel, for example, needs if he wants a contract extension. He's got like there's just many players that have, like you said, they're back to the wall. They're building that pressure. And I think for once we have that mounting pressure where it's like, all right, let's see how you respond to it. You know, it's, it's not like next year can come and we're going to have the same exact team and everything's going to be fine. No, like I think that pressure is good though. I think that's what makes good from great. And, you know, even with doc rivers, doc has the pressure he's blown three, one leads. And you know, this is now you have to put it all together. And I think that element of pressure is something that we haven't had to this degree. I'm not saying we haven't had pressure, what I'm saying is 
everybody's betting on themselves, both individually and for the team. And I, I just think that atmosphere will either make everyone better or it'll show where we where we just can't, you know? Yeah, definitely. There's a, a new urgency around the franchise. Like we've lived through the process here as we've waited for things to grow. And it's now to the point where like our chips are kind of in the middle. This is the team we've got. These are the guys we got. Joel Embiid is the superstar that we've built around. Now let's make it happen on the court. And uh, Harden's been a guy that's going to be a key factor in what level of team this can be this year. But I, I do like that aspect of all these guys having like a something something to bring them on in addition to team success. And that's a that's a great thing. Uh, pressure brings out the best in a lot of guys. And I hope that's the case with Harden and the rest of the team. Yeah, absolutely, man. If you want to call us up, give us some thoughts. 508-924-3784. Give us some thoughts on the game. I want to kind of end off like going to the last segment by just asking you, by the way, this has been great. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Hit that like button, man. Be sure to check in Sean out on all, all the things that he does as well. Um, what are you looking for next game? Because now we got this like big game out of the way. Not big game, but you know all the headlines and the storylines. Now we can get down to business a little bit. And we have a couple more. You know, who are you looking for to step up? Like, what what are your main storylines? For example, going into tomorrow night, we have the Cavaliers coming up. I don't know if they're going to play their starters. I don't know if the Sixers are going to play their starters. I would expect maybe Embiid and Harden and Tucker to maybe play a game at the end just to kind of get the rhythm going. I don't know, though. I don't know. But what are your expectations for tomorrow night with the Cavs? What are you looking for? And, and who are you looking to stand out? Yeah, one of the major things I'm looking for is uh something that stood out to me in a major way last night was how much better the off-ball movement looked how much the the quick trigger catch and shoot specifically from guys like tobias harris like matisse thibault guys that we've been screaming to to shoot more and just like the motion there was so much more motion so much ball off ball movement if joel and james step back on the court i need that to continue around them that's something that both Embiid and harden just in their nature are much more kind of isolation base, take their time, evaluate things, take a couple dribbles before they get into their set. Uh, I still need the guys around him to continue that urgency to work off ball. And uh, like Doc Rivers even compared it to the Nuggets, like how hard guys work outside of Jokic to get open. Like they should be benefiting from the gravity of these guys, not just like taking it for granted and letting them do their thing. So that's a major storyline I'm looking for throughout the year. And I would like to see signs of it in the first time that they step on the court in preseason is in preseason is the guys off ball continuing to do the work, do the dirty work and really just revitalize this offense. It's interesting, man. We've seen in spurts over the last couple of years, we've seen that urgency that, Oh my gosh, this team is popping off the, off the TV, you know, but can they do it consistently? I think that's a great point. Uh, yesterday, for example, we out rebounded the nets 56 to 43. 13 more rebounds, and we had 20 steals as a team. I know it got sloppy in the third quarter. You know, it's one of those preseason games. But still, I mean, when it really mattered, we probably had a good quality 10 to 12 steals. And we had six combined with Thibel, Melton, and, you know, Paul Reed had a cut. Like, these guys were just in there. You saw the urgency from the first tip of the game. And I agree, man. Like, what will this team look like on a daily basis? You know, you add in Trez, like... I love the energy, and I think that can really be a staple of this team. It's what we've been missing, and it's what we missed in the playoffs last year. And I feel like championship teams, that DNA, it's built early in a season. You know, you can usually tell, like, what teams are mentally strong. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, man, I, I want to see that continue. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's a lot of excitement around this team right now. I That's something I just think is a major focus of mine is, like, don't let – uh, the identity is going to change with James Harden and Joel Embiid joining it, but sure. don't let that like off ball movement and that desire 
uh, stop from all these supporting cast guys because doing that work off the ball and making sure that things are right for them, that's when the team becomes complete. And I think that they've become over-reliant on the past of just like standing around, let NB do his thing. Uh, and for that to stop would go a far way increasing this team's chances. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you think Joel and James and PJ will get in during the preseason? Do you think it's important or is it like football where it doesn't matter? What do you think on that? Yeah, I think they'll play a little bit specifically because of like PJ, it'll be his first minutes on the Sixer. And I think there just should be some sort of on-court like moment against new competition because it is still a little different from just going against your same guys in training camp all the time. Like, yeah, it just a little bit of a, a shade of a new new something new to go against. So I would like to see them get at least one game of work. I'm not putting a, a bunch of stock in it either way. If they go out there and look terrible, I'm not going to be up in arms. But I think just to shake off some rust, give them some live game action, we should run them for at least a couple minutes. Yeah, no, nah, I agree. I agree. Shout out to the members in here as well. Merksy, what's going on? I saw uh, Connor earlier on. Shout out to all the channel members. Everybody supporting. They're get, they're chiming and giving their thoughts. We had a couple people on the phone lines. They dropped off. Don't know why. Uh, but yeah, man, as we continue to do this show, hopefully we'll get more calls, but yeah, man, that's, that's really all I got. Like that's the recap of this game. I thought the Sixers showed, you know, an impressive performance early on and they did what they had to do, right? They just, that's how the NBA season is. You, you go in, you get your business done and you get out. And I don't know. I thought it was a great start. I thought they were off on the right foot and given all the high intensity, the emotion and all that, I thought we, we handled our business pretty well. And I, I saw personally everything that I needed to see and more. There was nothing more I could have asked for. There's nothing I can complain about. That was just a great team win. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. And to talk about like the depth that this team has, think about guys like Shake Milton and George Niang were six men on this roster like as recently as last year. And to now look at like them still being on the roster yeah. and leapfrogged by like four guys is just a testament to like how much the roster around everybody has been built up. So like we've kind of talked about throughout this, like competition is an awesome thing in sports. It brings out the best in the guys that, uh, that truly want it and tr truly are the best out of it. So I think that's an awesome sign to have all this depth, all these guys really competing and bringing out the best in, in each other. And uh, like you mentioned earlier, like this is the most complete team in the Joel Embiid era. And we're going to see if that is the, the missing ingredient. Yeah, absolutely, man. And shout out to everybody once again in the chat. Hit that like button, man. Be sure following Sean on Twitter and uh, over on the Pick Swap Pod and and following his articles as well on Heavy.com. I mean, this guy, this guy is doing everything, man. If you're not up to date with his stuff, like, what are you doing, man? I mean, this guy, you're you're one of the next beat reporters. I'm calling it right now, man. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it is fun writing all day. Uh, it's nice to be able to wake up and just think about the Sixers for 24 hours in a day. So I, I really can't complain at all. Shout out to Sean, man. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Once again, this is presented by Manscaped. Get yourself the lawnmower 4.0. Clean yourself up nice. It's getting to be that time of the year. You got to keep the girls happy, man. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Uh, yeah, we'll be back. Look, if you're interested in doing this again next game, let me know. Sixers on to take the Cavs, man. Sixers get the dub against the Brooklyn Nets. And they beat Ben Simmons. Yes, I said it. I said it. They beat Ben Simmons. We can finally get rid of that now. 127 108. He's the same player. We're better off. We're better off. Shouts to everybody in the chat, man. Appreciate everyone coming through. And uh, Philly Take with RB. Hit that like button, subscribe. Check us out on all platforms. You guys have a great night. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace.